0: KYW original podcasts. This is a Flashpoint Extra. I'm Flashpoint host, Cherry Gregg. Flashpoint is sponsored by the Gift of Life donor program. Organ donors save lives. Register today at donors1.org. Former Pennsylvania State Rep. Movita Johnson Harrell tested positive to the coronavirus just days after she was released from Philadelphia County Jail. Johnson Harrell had been serving part of an 11 and a half to 23 month sentence. She began doing that in January after pleading guilty to mishandling of funds connected to a charity she founded. Now Harrell was slated to get out in May thanks to good behavior. Then coronavirus hit and the city reported dozens of positive cases among inmates on the inside. Mobita was able to get out a month early under the protocols designed to lower prison populations and prevent further spread of COVID-19. As of April 17th, one inmate has died and 113 have tested positive for the virus. But hundreds of others, like Movita, are being released early. Take a listen to this interview, her first, on KWW Radio. Welcome to Flashpoint. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for inviting me on, Cherry. You recently tested
1: positive for the coronavirus. I did. I came home and I quarantined um, and I was sick. I was exhausted and I just chalked it up to exhaustion. And then the symptoms became more prevalent and my doctor recommended that I get tested. And I did test positive for COVID-19. And so how are you feeling right now? I'm starting to feel better. It's starting to break up. I'm still having the shortness of breath. I've had all of the symptoms except for the high temperature. Um, I'm starting to feel a little better, but I can't let that fool me because every time I feel a little better, I think I can go back to my routine and I can't. I have to stop and slow down. Yeah. And so just be clear, you were released um,
0: from the Philadelphia prisons when?
1: I was released on April 7th.
0: Yeah. And are you pretty positive that you caught COVID-19 in the prison?
1: I'm absolutely positive I did. Um, One thing that I've always done is journal Sherry. Sherry, And what I did was I began to document when I had symptoms. Now, because I was an essential worker, I worked in the kitchen preparing the inmates' food. Um, I was tested at a certain point. So I had already begun to document that I was having symptoms. I had my first symptom on April the 1st. Wow. And you, but you knew that you were going to be leaving at some point. Yeah. So I knew that my husband and my attorneys and some other friends that I have were already working on my petition for early release. Um, I didn't know exactly when that was supposed to happen. It was actually supposed to happen the week before I had my first symptom and it didn't happen my petition actually sat on someone's desk um and then the following week is when i was uh released yeah and um did you go through any protocols on your way out no they didn't even check my temperature on my way out and and how did that strike you i thought it to be odd um because I was being released, another woman from G unit, which is the unit that I I resided on, was being released and two additional women from H unit. And H unit went on lockdown before anybody else um, because they began to have women showing symptoms and none of us were checked on our way out. None of our temperatures were taken.
0: Yeah. And
1: so what symptoms did you initially
0: begin to see uh, or feel uh, when you thought, uh, this isn't
1: right. The cough. hmm Yeah, I, I initially got the cough, and it was keeping me up at night. Um, and once they began to test me, I didn't think anything of it, right? So I'm thinking, okay, I got a cold, I got a cough. I, be- I had already purchased some, um, Robitussin on commissary, so I began to use that to try and soothe the cough so I could sleep at night. I mean, I was literally working a seven-hour shift. In the kitchen, and it was hard work, so I needed to get my rest in order to be able to go to work in the morning. Did you report that cough to anybody? I I reported it to one of the COs, and they said they're going to keep checking you to see if you have a temperature. And they checked you for temperature, but you never had a temperature at that time? Ne- my temperature never went above 99.1.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you were released, um, and what happened when you got home?
1: So I was released on. Um, Tuesday, April 7th, and I got home around, Yancey came to pick me up, and I got home around 9.45 that evening, and my grandchildren weren't here. They were with my grandson's mother. So I came home, my daughter was at work, um, my kids that were home, of course, they ran down to see me, and I immediately told Yancy I have to quarantine just in case.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. I didn't want to infect my family.
0: yeah. Yeah, and so so then you just kind of hung out
1: at home for the past. I, just hung out. I, I came up in the bedroom and I went to sleep and I kind of slept for three days, Cherry. Mm-hmm. To tell you the truth, I mean I had and one of the initial symptoms that I also had was the body aches right? And what I did, and and being cold at night, but what I did, I chalked the body aches up to that cot that they give you to sleep on, because every woman in jail complains about that cot, they complain about hip pains. So I was waking up every day with body aches, but I just thought it was the bed. But then when I got home, and I laid in my own bed, and I woke up the next morning, and I could barely move, I knew something was wrong. And so you decided to get tested this past Wednesday. Yeah. So what happened was I called my doctor and I told her I had been exposed. You know, um, of course, you know, that I knew women were getting sick all around me. Uh, The young woman that passed away um, from RCF was actually two cells away from me. So I had a conversation with my doctor. She put me on an antibiotic. She gave me something to suppress the cough. She was so ecstatic that I didn't have a fever. Um, But she said, how about we get you tested just so we can make sure that this is what it is yeah
0: and so when you got the results back your reaction yeah
1: I knew I had it I wasn't surprised. In fact, the, the nurse that called me with my results, was, she was like, oh, most people are really surprised that they have it. I said, I think I pretty much knew I had it from the beginning. But really, Cherry, I couldn't afford to be sick in jail. I'm telling you, I literally prayed every day, God, please don't let me be sick in here. And one of the things that I think that saved me, that kind of kept me healthy while I was there was that I pray five times a day. a Muslim, right? So we do something that's called wudu. So you literally have to clean out your nostrils mm. five times a day. And I did that five times a day. Wow. Wow. And so then, so
0: why did you decide to, I mean, we're talking, I'm a member of the media. Why did you decide to sit, to share your story and the, the fact that you do have COVID-19? Because you could have kept this to yourself.
1: Yeah. So here's the thing. There are more women than just me, right, who have COVID-19, who are still in RCF and that are currently I women have been calling me every day that are being discharged from RCF. There was a group of young women on G unit that I actually treated like my daughters, right? I worked in the kitchen. So I was able to bring extra food into the unit and I would feed people literally the same thing that I do out on the street is what I did in jail. Right. I was elected to be the block rep of the unit on March 27th. The women elected me. I didn't want to do it, but they elected me. So I represented them to the, to the, um, administration but I feel it's my it's my social responsibility to let people know what's happening right so I was sick inside and my saving grace was that I didn't have a temperature and I'm glad that I didn't have a temperature because what would have happened to me was I would have been sent to quarantine you know it we went into full lockdown on April 3rd. But quarantine is even worse than full lockdown. Quarantine is like being in the hole, right? You're locked up 24 hours a day. Now, even when we went into full lockdown, we were locked down for 23 and a half hours a day. But being the block rep, it was my responsibility to make sure that women got their time, that they were able to get their showers and their phone calls, but in many instances no one has anyone to speak out for them right and it's my responsibility to speak out and because number one that temperature test isn't enough i had it and i didn't have a temperature right so we need to be proactive about what we're doing in releasing these people from state road from from jails and prisons and i think You know they've begun to speed up the process, but we still have people on the inside that are susceptible, that are in closed quarters, closed conditions. Even though the numbers are coming down of inmates in the prison, there's still nowhere for them to go. Yeah, and I have to say, like as of last
0: Wednesday or Thursday, about 500 inmates have been released. You're you're since you know this crisis since uh I think the seventh through Because you were released on the 7th, right? Yep. Yeah. So from the 7th through last Wednesday, uh, about 500 inmates had been released uh, from Philadelphia prisons. Um, As far as you know, people were not tested um, and were not getting tested. Do you think some of those people had COVID-19?
1: Oh, yeah. So at least four of the women who I treated like my daughters on G-Unit have been released in the last three days. I spoke, they called me. They called me as soon as they were discharged. None of them were tested upon leaving the prison.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are they nervous that they have COVID-19?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of them even thinks that she had it while she was in there, but because she didn't display symptoms, because they didn't test you unless you were shown showing symptoms. Yeah. So women went through it while in there and did what they needed to do to survive it. And came out on the other side. But we know in Yvonne Harris's case, she didn't come out on the other side.
0: Yeah. And so that number that we're hearing, uh, 113, is the total number of inmates that have tested positive. Uh, The number that are currently dealing with uh, COVID-19 is in the 60 or so range. Uh, What is your, when you hear those numbers, what
1: what goes through your mind? I don't know if those numbers are accurate. You know, um, because even when the first mention came out, um, which was around March 10th, we started hearing about the first numbers on State Road, and we were told um, that Mod 3, which is a mail facility, actually had 30 cases alone, and that was in March. mm mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So, you think that the 113 people having tested positive, you think that number is low?
1: I think that number may be low, but not only that, Cherry, if they're only taking temperature, how accurate are those numbers? How accurate is that test, right? Because by testing me, I've, I've been taking my temperature every day that I've been out, and it's never gone above 99.1. It literally took for them to give me that awful nasal um, test that literally goes up to your brain um, for them to get an accurate test on you. Yeah,
0: yeah. And so just to be clear, how were you treated while you were incarcerated?
1: I I was treated okay. I had people, I had some people who were very kind. They knew that the work that I did in the community, how I've advocated for for the community, how I fought against gun violence and they were very kind. And there were some people who were not so kind to me. They heard what they heard in the media and they made assumptions based upon Mm -hmm. what they heard and read in the media. But Mm -hmm. what I did was I continued to be who I am and I was very kind to everyone. And I knew that that was not my house and I had to pick my battles. I wasn't going to fight a battle that I couldn't win.
0: Yeah. So you don't have any issue with the way you were treated while you were in incarcerated in Philadelphia prisons, what would you seem to take issue with how they're treating uh, folk with regard to COVID-19?
1: Yeah, I think we can let these, we can let more people out quicker. We can let these low-level offenders out. Listen, even the stories that I got Um, From the women, not just on G unit, but on other units in regards to the offenses that they were in for. We're talking about prostitution charges, drug cases, pretrial violations of probation. There was a woman there that she told me she had a hundred dollar bail that she couldn't pay. And, you know, even me being an essential worker in the kitchen, I worked a job because I wanted to, right? Not because I had to, because my people took very good care of me while I was in jail. Mm-hmm. But just to know that, you know, you literally make $44 a month, right? So it would take a woman literally three months of working a job in order to pay a $100. You know, there's a lot of women in there that you met that you felt
0: shouldn't be in there. And are probably given, you know, the spread of COVID nineteen. How do you? Why do you think the the it spread so easily there?
1: Explain what you saw because, personally. Because it's such close contact. Um, because there was no um encouragement on social distancing. Because even initially, when we began to talk about it. it, it the conversations really began when everything began to shut down outside, right? Which was around the 16th of March. And people became very frustrated because their visits got cut. There were no visits. You know, we went on um, administrative segregation. Um, the facility went into to shutdown mode. Mm-hmm. And we weren't given proper information. And I think that's partly because the guards weren't given proper information, right? They were just as much at risk as we were, even though they were obviously the only ones who could bring it into us, but they were put in risky positions themselves. There was no force of use. There was no um, demand at that time for them to use gloves or demands for them to use masks. Women were not given masks in the prisons. Um, initially, guards started coming in with their own gloves and masks that they bought in themselves. Mm-hmm. so it's such closed quarters and even in my unit in g unit there is one main sink in the unit right so the women ordered their oodles and noodles and they use this sink for the hot water but the sink is also used for hand washing that sink was broken for two weeks
0: wow During so, there was no, the- so there was no ability for women
1: to, to to clean their hands to literally wash their hands in the day room. So even once I became the block rep, I was one of the people who was responsible for making sure that the phones were clean in between um, telephone calls. And I made sure to do that with bleach. Um, But the issue was, is that there there was no sanitizer, there were no gloves, and women did not get masks on my unit until the day before I left. So April 6th. April 6th, we got masks. My first mask, Cherry, was a reused mask from a kitchen service worker. Wow. And how did you clean that? Uh, so there's a disinfectant that you spray and you just let it dry. You even spray it on surfaces and you let it dry. And this was something that they brought in amidst the outbreak. So I literally cleaned the mask mm-hmm. and I let it dry. And I, I, that was my first mask. And then the next day, um, the kitchen service staff gave me my first new mask.
0: And so all of this is happening. We have more people that are probably being released.
1: Uh, do you have what is your concern for the community? My concern is there are women who are probably being released who probably have the virus or are not being tested. Um, Not only that, so I was working with these women while they were there with some of their attorneys and some friends on the outside um, to help them with their motions and with their fur referrals and with their placement upon discharge. A lot of these women are being released, Cherry, with nowhere to go, right? They're being released to the streets. Mm -hmm. And I am currently working with two women right now to make sure that they are safe, that they have housing. Um, And I'm so grateful for the friends that I have out here who are willing to work with me to make sure. But that's not my job. Right? I mean, it is my job, but it's not my job. So we know that this virus is out here. First of all, the women who are leaving should be tested to make sure that they are not bringing the virus into these communities. And secondly, when we discharge these women, they should not be discharged to the street, Cherry.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so that's your that's your message to to
1: the city, uh, to whoever's listening. Yeah, to protect us, right? To protect us all, to protect them, and to protect us.
0: Yeah. Now you seem like you're doing okay. I'm Make getting sense.
1: better day yeah. by day. It started breaking up yesterday. Um, I still get very short of breath. My daughter was frying some hot sausage earlier. I couldn't breathe because of the fumes from the hot sausage. So every time I feel like I'm doing better, something happens to remind me to sit down. And Because it's really difficult for me, right, to just sit still. I mean, look, I went to jail. I got a full-time job and I became black rap, Right. But I literally had to come home and shut it down since April 7th um, because my breathing was affected by it. And I don't want my family to be further affected by it.
0: Yeah. Do you have any concern about any retaliation because you're telling your story at all?
1: Um, No, because I'm not taking a a shot at anyone. I, I I think that this virus caught us all off guard. I don't think any of us were fully prepared for the ramifications of this virus. And I really think that our administrations have done the best that they have with what they got. Um, But I believe now that we know um, what we're dealing with, that we can do better. One thing that we could have done was we could have begun to let women out earlier, sooner. Right, um, but now that we are letting them out, that's a wonderful thing. But I'm I'm literally not taking a shot at anyone. I care about our communities. That's been that's always who I've been, and that's never going to change.
0: Yeah, and so you're keeping in touch with the women that you uh, that you befriended uh, in the in the prison system, I guess. Yeah, uh, so they're calling me as they come out, mm-hmm. and so a lot of them are getting out right now under these new protocols. Yep. Yeah. So it seems like the system is working in a lot of ways, but we need more protocols as people are released.
1: Yes, we need. So a lot of the women I was working with before I left, they actually have fur referrals, um, forensic referrals, and the programs shut down and stop admitting them. They had discharge dates and everything. And mm-hmm. some of those programs have opened and some of them have never resumed. So now we have women who were supposed to come out and go into drug and alcohol programs and those programs aren't accepting people. So I've reached out to some of my friends in the recovery community and we are making accommodations for those women to make sure that they can go into those programs and begin to recover and be safe off of the streets.
0: Yeah. And so you're on house arrest right now. Are you on house arrest? How are you serving out the rest? I am currently on parole. Parole, so you're done except for parole. Now you have a visit for from a parole officer.
1: So what's supposed to happen is I was supposed to come out and go on. Excuse me. That's that coronavirus. Are you okay? I'm okay. I was supposed to come out and go on house arrest. Mm-hmm. Um, but because house arrest was closed at the time that I was um, being discharged, when my petition was submitted, um, they agreed to put me on parole until house Arrest becomes available, um, and I'm grateful. I'm grateful that the judge signed my petition. I'm grateful that you know the AG did not um, oppose my petition to come home. Especially now that I know I was sick. You know, I think it would be so much worse if I were in there now because it's been really difficult dealing with this. I mean, I have not been able to stay up more than an hour and a half at a time. Um, And this would have been so much more difficult to deal with had I not been at home. Yeah. And so with
0: that, Movita, I won't keep you because, I mean, this is real. And I I know how exhausting this this virus is on your body. And we've been talking more than 20 minutes now. So I thank you uh, for taking the time to speak with me. Is there anything you'd like to add
1: before we wrap up? I, I just, we just need to continue to protect our communities. You know, our community, the African-American community, is more susceptible to this virus. It, we're losing more lives in the Black community than anywhere else. And we need to protect everyone who is susceptible to this virus. And one of the populations that we can protect is our prison population. So anyone that's eligible to come out, we need to let them come home. We need to make sure that we're bringing them into safe environments, but we need to let them come home.
0: Yeah, Movita Johnson-Harrell, I wish you uh, swift healing and recovery uh, in this battle against COVID-19. Thank you so much, Movita. Thank you, Cherry. God bless. This has been a Flashpoint Extra Flashpoint is KYW's weekly public affairs show. It airs every Saturday night at 9.30 and every Sunday morning at 8.30 on 1060 AM on your radio dial. You can also listen at KYWnewsradio.com. Please subscribe to the podcast on all platforms. All you have to do is search Flashpoint and don't forget to rate and review. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Flashpoint host Cherry Gregg.